recording live from our remote command facility inside the pyramid at the Luxor in fabulous Las Vegas. This is Dying Drink Vegas, the podcast for and usually by people stuck at home wishing they were in the land of neon lights and bad decisions. But for episode Yo 11, this crap-centered theme that we're going to do today, we are actually on-site in Las Vegas. I'm your host, John, also known as The Baller on a Budget, and in this episode, we're going to give you a rundown of our guys' trip in Las Vegas, and of course, as always, we're going to get to our drink of the day, which is a special one for us uh, in a lot of ways. But now, it's time to bring in the founder of Dine Drink Travel, the high roller of the high plains, the king of comps, the leader in the luxury lounge, the man who is sadly now waiting for the limo to take him back to the airport so he can go home to the far dusty dry reaches of west texas it's bill bill come on in and say hello hey john how are you i am good i have to say it's a little bit bittersweet because we're going to start as we always do with our drink of the day and listeners our drink of the day is not something we normally drink so bill why don't you uh why don't you explain this so, um, we are a uh, – this is the annual Labor Day trip, and there's a group of guys who comes on this trip this year. There are five of us, but we are flying the missing man formation. Normally, there would have been a sixth, my brother-in-law, Mark, and he died, I think, about three weeks ago now. But Mark loved Coors Light yes, with a passion and intensity I can barely describe. Um, so, we are, in honor of Mark, drinking Coors Light. Also, this is one of those things you can pretty easily get from a floor hostess when you're sitting um, donating your money to the casino. Yes, absolutely. This is a beverage you can get any time of day in Las Vegas. It is not my favorite, but I do miss our friend Mark. So cheers, Mark. We wish you were here. And other than the sense of sadness and loss that we are, we are missing a very vital member of our group. How's the trip been? So this has been, as Vegas is wont to be, as streaky as a trip can possibly get in all of the senses. My first meal was at Le Cirque on, okay, this is Monday. I guess that was Thursday night. Wow, I may have been in Vegas too long. Um, and Le Cirque has always been my favorite restaurant in the world, and it just wasn't very good. But then Friday, we wound up going to Retro by Voltaggio, and that was amazing. So food wound up going on hot streaks and cold streaks. Gambling wound up going on hot streaks and cold streaks. It's been a good trip, but yeah, I mean, if you spent any amount of time in Vegas, you will understand the streaks, which most notably have happened at the craps table. Yes, and we have played an awful lot of craps. That's why we're calling this episode Yo 11 instead of 11. Because when you're at a craps table, live or virtual, there are certain numbers we don't say because craps players are paranoid. And of course, we never say out loud that number that falls between six and eight because that ends badly. And it's just, I don't know, it's a craps player thing to say Yo 11 instead of 11. I feel very silly doing it, but hey, Vegas, so we're doing it. We are um so let's can i talk a little while how we all got into craps on this trip yeah and i think i've got a different path to it than you do but but in your case it definitely starts with uh my my buddy with the nickname of zero who is a world-class statistician like he is better at math and statistical computations than anybody i know and when he gets to vegas he loses his dang mind um, and he sits, whatever, he does all of the craps things. And if you want to hang out with Zero, you're going to be at a craps table. So we spent 
like 572 years this weekend <laughs> around electronic craps tables. Um, and just like blackjack, just like everything else I play here, there were sessions where I didn't understand how I'd won several hundred bucks. And there were sessions where I was like, wow, all that money went quickly. Yeah. And that's, you know, it, it goes that way. And I will say too, I think zero's a little disappointed because, uh, you and I tend to grav- gravitate towards the uh, electronic versions of craps. He likes the live table better. So even though I'm, you know, pushing 50, I didn't start going to Vegas until later in life. <clears throat> so by the time I had the discretionary income to visit this town, uh, I missed the golden era and I cut my teeth on video games. Um, I like the electronic version of the game. It's even fun when there's a big group around, but you can play it if you're the only one that feels like playing. And, you know, there's pressure that comes with the camaraderie of a big, busy table. I like the pace of the electronic game. It feels less rushed. I guess sometimes a little antisocial. If I want to socialize with strangers, I'll go up to the bar and play video poker and start talking to a stranger. For some reason, when I'm in craps mode, I like the electronic game better, and I know that's going to be controversial, but that's kind of my take. So, I almost never want to socialize with strangers. I guess I paid too much attention to the stranger danger things they told us in the early 80s. But I do want to hang out with my buddies that I came on the trip with. And one of the great things about the electronic craps machines they've got now is you can have four or five of you sit around it, so you're still gambling, hanging out with your friends, and not so much having to talk to random people you don't know. Yeah, I think it's a good it's a good uh, middle ground, and I've really had a good time with it. So do you have a basic strategy for craps? Because I think yours and mine are slightly different. So what I've been doing, and I think on craps I may have won money. It's hard to disaggregate that from the blackjack, where I am certain I lost money on this trip. But what I do, so those individual numbers at the top, what do you call those bets? Uh, yeah, it's a little too early in the day for me to recall, but basically yeah. those are those li- are those are numbers that could be the point. Yeah. Okay, right. so all the numbers which could and that should tell you something, listeners, of we are still baby craps players. Yes, we are. Um I know every hand in the book for blackjack craps I'm learning. But what I do is place a bet on all six okay, on the come out roll. I'll press. I'll play the pass line, and I'll play the field bet. After we've set the point, I'll make sure I've still got both of those bets out. Then I'll bet on each individual number on the top line, um, which me, and then I'll lay odds on whatever the point is, which means that any number but seven, because I'm I'm good enough at math to realize that saying seven doesn't make it more likely. Right, yeah. Any number but seven. But we're not at the table. It's okay. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Any number but seven, I wind up winning. Now, sometimes I wind up winning not a whole lot, right? Like, I'm, if I'm betting $5 yeah. a bet, I might win 83 cents, you know, net on the five after all my other bets get taken away. But it it seems to be working. I know that I get really excited when the point is a four, nine, or a ten, because that means I've got. Let's say it's the four. I've got a bet on the four, and I've got a bet on the pass line. I've got odds on the pass line, and I've got the um the field bet. Right. So I win like four times, and I'm briefly happy till we keep rolling. Right. So in my conserv- my my strategy is a little bit more conservative, but of the bunch of guys that come out here, I probably have the second lowest bankroll and i'm not a big gambler by nature anyway so i'm not you know i'm trying to uh 
minimize my losses and stretch a small amount of money to be a lot of fun over the weekend. So I tend to go pass line and six, eight. I tend to only lay odds if six or eight happens to be that because they're statistically more likely to come up than the other numbers that are up there. And I don't tend to take the field bet because, you know, it's not a standing bet like the pass line and the others. You know, you every roll you could lose whatever so, you put down and that's and the volatility I, the volatility is not something i like i get that like i get that statistically that bet doesn't make sense i just happen to have kept winning on it yeah. so cool i will say the horn bet um like if you're betting on rolling a 12 which pays 30 to 1 that looks like a great deal and sure if you hit that then you've got a big payout but you're only going to roll a 12 one time out of 36 which yeah. is giving the house roughly a 16% edge. So there are bets on the craps table you very clearly want to stay away from. Yeah, and the horn bet's one of them because, it, it, you know, you can hear it calling you to the rocks like the sirens of old. Like it seems because you actually have four of those because you have the snake eyes, the three, the 11, and the 12. So you have four things that you could hit, and all of them have at least 15 to 1 or better payout. But let's say you put five dollars on the horn what you really have is a dollar 25 per bet right. so you're not getting and you 15 can bet- to one or 30 to one on your five you're getting it on the buck 25 right so it, it, it's not it feels like a way better bet than it is yeah i've also discovered a new game this trip that i think i like called free bet blackjack and i realize vegas never does anything because it's good for me right like that's not how this goes but it was fun and on that game i whatever i lost a couple hundred bucks several times i won a couple hundred bucks several times i think it washed out pretty well but what it is is whatever the the table minimum is you bet that and you, there is a side bet that you bet for a minimum of five bucks, which is usually what I put there. And here's what happens. How the casino gets you is if they get 22, you push. And that kind of stinks. Yeah. But what you get for your money on the main bet, if you've got any pair that's not tens, you can split them. And you can split them indefinitely. And you don't have to pay for the split bet. Oh, and that's actually kind of cool, right? Yeah. And they also let you do things like I. One point, yes, or earlier this weekend, I split aces like three or four times. So they're pretty generous about what they'll let you split. And if you've got a nine, ten, or eleven, you can double for free. So let's say you're you've got twenty five dollars down, and you've got a um a nine, and you're showing against a dealer ten. You still double because you're now the 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 next twenty five bucks isn't yours. It's the casinos, yeah. Which means that you've paid twenty five dollars for a fifty dollar bet. The economics of the game changes, and what the side bet is is if you've got one thing in a hand where you they put a little gold coin out to indicate that um whatever you're playing on casino money for part of the bet. You get one gold coin. The side bet pays three to one. If you get two, oh. Gosh, I want to say it was 15 to 130, and it goes up from there. But if you split a couple of times and double down on some of the splits, you can see some people winning some crazy amounts of money. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like if Blackjack met the lottery and they had a baby. Yeah, and I I mean, again, you know, I'm sure mathematically the, the odds are still on the house, so they're tempting you in with the potential for big payout. 
but they're bleeding you elsewhere, like with the 22 being pushed and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. No, I'm not arguing it made math sense, but I'm in Vegas. None of it makes math sense. Right. It was, it was, it was fun. So weirdly, because my approach to the casino, because I am not a big gambler, and I think I've told the listeners this before, I treat going to the casino like I treat going to the arcade. Uh, we've got a chain of movie theaters in Texas called Synergy, and they have a huge arcade. And like, you know, I know when I walk in there, I'm going to lose X amount between me and my 8 million children all running around playing video games. And I tend to budget my casino very much the same way I would budget taking my family to the arcade. And once that money's gone, it's gone. Right. If I'm upgrade, if I'm downgrade, I am not risking anything that I need to pay a bill. Which is right? one of the reasons I like the group of guys we go to Vegas with. We have a lot of fun, and more fun than is probably appropriate for men of our age, but nobody risks their marriages and nobody risks their mortgages, yeah. and I appreciate that yeah, about we, this group of people. We're not going to need a criminal lawyer or a divorce lawyer. We're not doing anything hugely unethical, which probably makes us one of the more boring Vegas podcasts because you're not you're not going to get a review of certain things because we're not going to them. Nope. Uh, but the part of that is because we both outkicked our coverage in the women we married, and we don't want them to rethink their life decisions. So. <laughs> I, I will say, uh, if you travel a lot and you like MGM properties, I will put a shout out for the MGM MasterCard because, uh, I like I said, I don't gamble a lot. Um, so over a whole weekend, I'll have like a couple hundred bucks as my entire bankroll to last, you know, three, four nights. Uh, but I built up some free play. So this morning, uh, I was a little bit down on the trip. And I cashed in $60 worth of free play that I'd earned by buying groceries and gas station burritos all year long. Uh, and really, I've built this up over the last few months because I had spent all my free play when I was here at New York, New York with my wife back in July, and I was already back to 60 bucks. I ran my $60 worth of free play. I went to the high limit slots, and I turned that $60 of their money into $200 of my money. And uh, yeah, I'm really, really, really happy because that's not a life-changing amount of money. But, but given the scale at which I tend to gamble, yeah, that's good. Like I'm, I'm going home with more you know, money than I left with. So, you hey. winning that money got me a free beer. So cool. Yeah, hey, worked out. Right. So so we're not me and my roommate, as well as one of the other guys in our group, have been staying at the Delano and the. Uh, what is your take on the Delano as a place to stay? So I don't want to spend a lot of time on that because we brought up, you, we've done your review on the Delano really the last two episodes. I will say, I agree with you that for the trip we're doing, you probably want, if you're doing, you know, a group of guys and you're looking at, or a group of any type of people, I suppose, doesn't have to be guys, I don't, you know, whatever, it's 2023, he, she, they, them, whatever. If you're doing a group trip to Vegas, um, and now I just lost our one very conservative listener from Alabama. Anyway, sorry. Um, if you're doing a group trip to Vegas, having at least one person spend the money to go ahead and get a suite at the Delano so that you have a living room and a sitting area and an extra half bath. And like, I think, I think you're absolutely right. But like, you can see we're, we're in my uh, standard Pyramid King room. This saved me a lot of money over staying in Mandalay or the Delano, but I'm I'm a five minute walk from y'all's suite, and this is not bad. Like I'm not no. slumming it here. This is no, still a very is, nice room. This is actually a great room. I will say it's also it's it's huge as regular hotel rooms go. The reason that I like the Delano is this is very specifically a trip where we all bet on football games, 
And that because it's an all-suite hotel, we have plenty of space to sit around, watch the football games. And we went to the liquor store, got a couple of bottles of bourbon, which was and had them in the room. That was a way cheaper way to have cocktails than going to literally any bar. Yeah, I mean, we would have, you know, we our whiskey bill alone would have been three four hundred dollars between all of us had we sat at a bar to watch the first half of that game yesterday so yeah um yeah if you're doing a group trip everybody chipping in so somebody gets a suite is a good idea but again this is one of those compounds that we talked about on the last episode where i mean if somebody if we were bringing somebody that was really broke on this trip they could even save a little bit more staying over at excalibur and you still can walk from excalibur to mandalay without ever going outside yeah. into the elements which instead of being blazing hot have been oddly humid and rainy since we've been here yeah no i'm trying to is that just seasonal rain is there's well no that hurricane passed through like two weeks ago now yeah. so it's not any of that yeah i, I don't know el nino what are you going to do yeah so, but yeah. it's i mean if you come to vegas on one of the three days a year when it's raining the weather here is actually pretty pleasant yeah it is i mean the only thing it costs is we had thought about doing some pool time we opted not to with the weather which worked out fine because nobody wants to see any of us in swimsuits anyway so no that's, you know. that's not healthy yeah for anybody no, it doesn't work out well what has your favorite meal been on this trip so i got here late friday night so i missed a couple of the meals i i think i've got to say saturday brunch at border grill was was my favorite opera house was really good uh libertine social last night was really good but i i think border grill was the winner for me so you um had some tiny little issues with the airlines and weren't able to join us for dinner on friday night actually i think your flight originally wouldn't have gotten yeah here i wouldn't in time have for, made dinner no yeah. matter what i was just two hours later than planned but yeah. the three of us who were here in time for that meal went to retro by voltaggio i think which is over in the mandalay bay i think that was my favorite meal of the trip and this is a trip where i went to le cirque like it's just yeah. so part of it is because i'm the age i am and everything about it screams my childhood right like me and zero and our buddy mike took a picture inside of a, you know a like a human-sized game boy right with yeah. our faces showing yeah. up through the screen um because that seemed like a good idea there were i mean there were rubik's cubes decorating they had 80s trivia cards sitting on every table the plates i mean they were they were glass plates or whatever right like they were a hard material but they were textured to look like those dixie plates for every church picnic you went to in 1982 yeah um it was it was great and the food was really good i got a wagyu beef cheek pot roast which was the kiss of the gods um mike got the voltagios but so it was designed to look like spaghettios just with you know homemade pasta and a sauce that doesn't make you hate your soul yeah. um the presentation was good the service was good we wound up getting a tasting menu the night before i gone to le cirque and paid an obscene amount of money for their tasting menu and i'm still salty about that meal but we went there the tasting menu was 99 bucks so it's not that it's a cheap meal but it's you can get your head around that but we got four courses out of it yeah um, and they were like every single, so there were three of us times four courses. There were some repeats. We probably had nine or 10 different things come out to the table. Every single one of them was good, right? Like yeah. I enjoyed everything that came out in the table. Yeah. Retro by Voltage was my highlight meal. And to what I said about Le Cirque, like that's always been my favorite restaurant, but 
I wouldn't go back. If that had been my first trip, there would never have been a second one. And it turns out the problem was one of the waiters had called in sick, so they didn't have enough staff that night, and things kind of got off kilter. And it was still fun. Like it's Everybody who talked to us was lovely and gracious. The food tasted good. The food was beautiful. But the service was a little bit off because somebody was out. And um, there were on the, the multi-course tasting menu, there were fewer choices than there used to be without having to pay a supplement, which, uh, no. Anyway, so it's, yeah. that was a disappointment on I, this trip. I will say there's one other food disappointment, and, and it hasn't affected me greatly because I, I haven't stayed up all night. Although, you know, Mike and I did go out for snacks pretty late the first night I arrived. One of the downsides of the Mandalay Luxor com, uh, uh, complex, you're pretty far down the strip, and it makes walking to other properties difficult. You're a little bit isolated in their ecosystem. But because Mandalay has this big, fantastic pool, you're going to see a lot more families than you do at some other places on the strip. And as a result, there's a lot less open super late into the night. So if you get the late night munchies, if you're a little over Vegas and you need a snack and it's say 1 a.m., there's not a ton of options in these buildings. Like Mike and I wound up with Subway on Friday night of a three-day weekend because it's literally the only thing still serving food that we could find with its doors open. And I feel like that's a disadvantage on this end of the strip that you need some more late-night cheap eats. All right, so let's talk about that um, as we get a little bit closer to the end of today's podcast. Let's talk about this trip next year, the Labor Day trip next year, because I think all five of us are going to be back. There are one or two other guys who are talking about coming, and the highlight event of that trip is going to be the LSU football game. My buddy Mike, God love him, graduated from LSU and is going to want to go to that football game. And while it will burn my Aggie soul, I will go with him. I think we're all going to go to that. And that would suggest heavily staying at the Delano or the Mandalay Bay because you can walk across to Allegiant Stadium. However, as you've pointed out, we are kind of on the far end of the strip, and that makes it harder when there's other places you want to walk. Essentially, a lot more things are a cab ride instead of walks. So for this trip next year, given that the highlight event is going to be at Allegiant Stadium, but everything else won't be, what, what, where would you stay? I, I think I would move a little closer to the center strip. I think I would be looking at Park MGM, New York, New York, maybe maybe the MGM Grand, although I I don't care for the Grand. I think it's far too cavernous a property. I like, I like smaller places I can navigate easier. Um, because if you're at... You know, if you're at New York, New York, or Park MGM, you just hop over to the Dirty Castle, get on the tram, and boom, you're here. The tram stop, you come right down the stairs, and then you're not that far from the hallway that goes over to the walkway to Allegiant Stadium. I might be tempted to do that, partially because um, you do have a wide variety of rooms at different price points with that setup, because if somebody wants to go luxurious you know you've got the signature over at mgm grand uh you've got nomad on top of park mgm so you've got some hotel within a hotel options you could still get a suite uh but there's a lot more going on around you for not football day okay so that makes sense i will say so i usually so my i'm it is two hours earlier here than it is back home, which means by the time it gets to be about midnight, one in the morning, I'm kind of done 
anyway, and I'm old, right? So I don't need the late night stuff, but I do, well, like what you're saying makes sense. I do know that it's almost certainly going to have to be another MGM property because our buddy Zero gets such good comps here. That's what he's going to want to do. And frankly, you and I, who aren't huge gamblers, we get pretty good deals if we book it far enough in advance and all of that. Yeah, like this This is, this is trip was probably the least good deal I've gotten from MGM in a little bit, partially because we changed plans for this trip pretty late in the game and prices crept up. By the way, that's one of my baller on a budget tips. Book as early as you can, yeah, no, especially that was, on major weekends. The closer you get, the higher the price. Book yeah, early. No, absolutely. You are correct. Yeah. And that gives you time because you can always, like if there's a sale that pops on, you can always call up and say, hey, I noticed the rate drop. Can you match that rate? They will. Yeah. Right? Even if they say they won't, they will because you could cancel it and rebook at the lower rate. So, so they it's an might academic, as well. Yeah, it's yeah. an academic. And by the way, I've had that conversation with customer service before. No, sir, we can't match that rate. Okay, if I cancel and rebook, will I get the rate? and the lady went i see your point i'm matching the rate now and that was it that yeah. was the extent of the conversation so um yeah booking early makes all the difference in the world and if we weren't football centered i think i would be ready for downtown on that trip but yeah you're but right but we are god-fearing texans we must be football centered because that's the law yeah exactly so i think um you know, we're probably pretty close to wrapping it up. So while we sign out, Bill, any words on uh, between Formula One and all the rain? How is traffic and navigating been? So on Saturday, me and a couple of the guys went to downtown. It was fine getting there, but then they closed some ramps and some of the roads were shut down with rain. And it took us, I think it took us 30 minutes just on the part of the drive between the Bellagio and the Mandalay Bay. And I didn't want to sift the cab driver, so we stayed in the cab, but it would have been so much faster to simply get out and walk. Yeah, it's a little crazy out there. And I think part of it is Formula One. Part of it is deserts don't do well with rain. But other than that, I think we've had a good trip. So we're going to wrap it up from here. We thank you so much for listening. Bill, where can people find us online? Uh, you can find us at DineDrinkTravel.com. You can find the YouTube channel Dine Drink Vegas. And our handle is Dine Drink Vegas on pretty much any of the social media outlets. Yep, that's it. We thank you so much for listening. Keep an eye on that YouTube channel because if we've made a trip that means fresh content will be coming your way most of it by bill because i am a terrible video maker so we thank you so much for listening please keep doing it happy travels